Alrighty, good morning and welcome to Jericho Road Church, everybody. We're going to start with our shout. What do we do? Love God and love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning. I am super excited because I have one of my friends who's come here to share uh, God's word with us. His name is Pastor Johnny Park and I've known him for like since he was maybe 16 or 17 and maybe I was 18 at the time, like for a long time. And that's like at least 10 years or so. I'm not sure exactly how far it is. And he's been a pastor for almost 25 years now, faithfully serving God. And, and we get the opportunity today to hear from him. He just had a window to be able to share uh, with us. And so it's so exciting. Um, I think a picture speaks a thousand words. So I have about 15,000 words I'd like to show you about Pastor Johnny, and then he'll come up and share the message. Check this out here. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Wow, I, I was not expecting those pictures when I was uh, uh, a lot younger and a lot skinnier back then. But uh, hello, everyone. It's great to be here. What a blessing it is to, to be at church. Uh, this is actually my first time being at an in-person church service since, since March. And a lot has gone on for all of us here in this room, all of us who are watching online. And so uh, just really thankful just to be able to sing. Uh, with our praise team. Thank you for our praise team. And just reminded what, what St. Augustine says, that he who sings prays twice. And just to be able to express ourselves, not just on a screen, uh, but to be able to express ourselves in person to sing uh, with our wonderful praise team. And so I also want to thank Pastor Sam for inviting me to share this pulpit. Um, I've known Sam for a very long time, and when we were both uh, knuckleheads growing up in the big bad city of Fullerton, and now we're, now we're older knuckleheads trying to be pastors and serve uh, his people. And so just really thankful, um, just reminded of God's grace and his mercies that are new every morning. And what a blessing it is to be here. Uh, I, I know our usual greetings and the after church fellowship time is, is different. But the fact that we can be here together and, and those of us that are online, that we could worship on this Lord's Day. Because this is the day that God has made for us to rejoice and to really honor and to be blessed and to receive and also to give. And so this morning, uh, I will be sharing from a passage, and uh, you guys are going through a sermon, uh, a, a series called Simply Jesus. And so I'll be going through Mark chapter 12, and the title of my sermon this morning is called Live to Give. Um, and so let me read this passage for us. It's Mark chapter 12 starting from verse 28. I think it's, it's, uh, it's familiar to quite a few of us, um, but just really want to share this word. So this is the reading of God's word, and I'll be reading from the ESV. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and, and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the Son of God? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Verse 41, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is a reading of God's word. Now, if we could pray together. Lord, you are holy, you are great and mighty, and you are worthy to be praised. We thank you, God, for your mercies are new every morning. You allow us to come before you, to come before your throne of grace with confidence. And so, Lord, we want to bask in your presence. We want to bask in your feet. We want to rejoice in you. So, God, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, would be so holy and so pleasing and honorable to you. We give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this 2020 is obviously, we're, we're already into October. And in, in, when the year started, I had this nice planner. You know, I have, my, I have my planner on Google and I also have a hard copy. And I, was so, I was so excited. I love to plan things. I love to put things in there. But obviously, once the pandemic hit, that all, that all went out the box. And they often say you could tell a lot about a person by looking at their calendar and by looking at their bank account. And so if you looked at my calendar, you would notice that you would, you would see some of the things that I'm interested in. For example, you would see that I, I would set aside a day to, to watch the Lakers today and, and Tuesday and well, Pastor Sam has a lot of free time now, now that he, his clippers are out. But you would look at my calendar, and you would also see Tuesday, I'll get so excited to watch not only the Lakers, but also the Dodgers. And so you, you, tell a little, you, you, could, you could tell about a person just through their calendar. And also you could tell a lot about a person through their bank account. And it's not like any of you guys are going to have access to my account, nor am I going to have access to yours. But if you could just take a sneak peek, you could, you could tell some of the things that I love. You could tell some of the things that I'm interested in. And so you would see that I, I love coffee. You would see the, the Netflix and the Amazon Prime subscription. And you would see just how much I love Mexican food and King Taco. And how often I go to Ralph's. I go to Ralph's grocery store like two or three times a week. And so they say through, through what you put your time in 
And what you put your money in is a reflection of the things that you follow, is a reflection of the things that you are interested in. And this is what Ben Stewart says, a, pastor's, uh, a pastor. He says, who we are informs what we do. We're, we're going we're to take time to, to, to the things that we're interested in. We're going to spend money on the things that we are invested in, that we, we, that we value. And what are some of the things that we value? What are, and you know, spending time in, in this day and age is such a, a different thing. But the, the few moments that we can, we can spend in a, in a properly socially distant way we're, we're going to make sure that we are very careful and we're going to set aside that time because it's important to us. And I think about this passage, and I think as, as we're going through this series, Simply Jesus, to love him and to love others. We look, we look at this story, and we look at the story of, of Christ talking to these religious leaders, and we also look at the story of this really poor widow. And so there's two things that I wanted to share with us this morning. Is The first thing I wanted to share is we have a great commandment for our great God. We have a great commandment for our great God. And the second thing is, we give ourselves as Christ gave himself to us. And so looking at this passage in verse 28, so one of the scribes, scribe is like a, a teacher of the law, so he's, he's well versed in the Old Testament passages. He's an expert, and so he knows the ins and outs. And all this time, he's hearing these conversations that Jesus is having with these different people. Last week, Pastor Sam talked about um, the Pharisees who, who are trying to stump Jesus, and then the, the Sadducees who are also trying to stump. And so the scribe is just, just kind of observing in the back, and he's like, oh man, I, I got to get in on this. And he hears how Jesus answered as far as taxes. He hears how Jesus answered as far as the resurrection. And so you, you, you could just picture the scribe's mind, like, oh, I got a good one for him. Just wait till I ask this question. And so he comes up to Jesus, and he asks this question, what is, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, and he quotes an Old Testament passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Every Jewish person would, would know this. It's called the Shema, which it's, it, it means to listen, to hear. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And a better translation of that is the Lord is the only one. You know, the, the greatest command, you shall, love, you shall have no other gods before me. This is a central confession of Israel's faith. They are a, a monotheistic, just one God. And you have all these different religions, all these different cults that believe in all these different gods. But in Judaism, in their religion, it's just, just one the Lord our God, which speaks of the community and the generations. But even more importantly, the Lord is one. The Lord is the only one. And so without this understanding, if, if the people did not understand that God is the only one, then they, then they cannot love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. They cannot love others. This has to be the lens and the frame that they look through. This cannot be the greatest commandment, unless their view of God is great. If their view of God is, okay, he's just, I just got to do enough, then it, doesn't become, it becomes just duty, it becomes just obligation, as opposed to this relational and wanting to serve and wanting to obey. It becomes religion instead of this relationship. 
If God is not great in our eyes and in their eyes, then, then this commandment to love God, it becomes just something to do instead of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. To love, and, and Christ says very simply, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this, you shall love the neighbor as yourself. And Christ is affirming the teachings of the Old Testament. We're reminded in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that Christ did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. All these sacrifices that the, that the Jewish people would practice, he is the ultimate sacrifices, sacrifice. And the scribe, he, he hears this answer, and he gives, he gives Jesus that, that, that spiritual head nod. He says, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. The scribe gets it. Remember, he's, and we don't exactly know his his intention. We don't know if he was trying to stump Jesus. We don't know if he was trying to like, oh, the Pharisees try to get him, the Sadducees try to get him, oh, let me me get the shot. And so we don't exactly know his motivation, but we, we see something is, Something's clicking. Because remember, he's not, he's not just some random dude who knows very little about the teachings of the Old Testament. He's a scribe. He's an expert. And when he hears Jesus affirm these things, he's like, okay. He's, he sees it, and he hears it. And the scribe says something actually really powerful. He says this in verse 33, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You know, in Judaism, it's, it's all about obeying the law. There's like, there's like over 600 Old Testament laws. It's about giving sacrifices. It's about going to temple. It's all about doing, doing this and doing that. And for him to say it's more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifice, that's a huge thing. And he's getting it. He's starting to get it. That it's not just about doing but it's about the person of Christ. It's not just about, okay, if I just do this, or if I do that, and if I kind of earn this kind of favor, then, then God will approve me. No. It's, it's us being able to see that our God is great. And I heard this from a pastor a while ago, and, I, and, and I, it, it stuck with me for the longest time. And what he said is, if we have a high view of God, if we, if we can understand his scope, his beauty, his righteousness, his, his holiness, his mercies. If we have a high view of God, and so whatever he asks of us, it's low cost. Does that make sense? If we have a high view of God, and even, even though some of the things that, that God desires us to do, it's not easy, but it's low cost because we have a high view, we have a high understanding of who Christ is. Now on the flip side, if we have a low view of God, then anything God tries to, anything God asks us to do, oh, it's high cost. Oh my God, I gotta love my neighbor. Why do I have to do that? Oh my gosh, I have to be obedient in this way. Oh my God, I have to, I have to love my enemies, and that becomes something. Because we have a low view of God, it becomes a high cost. It becomes this this burden. It becomes this thing that is just so difficult. And so, church. 
in our understanding of loving him and loving others, do we first understand and do we, can we see it through the framework that, that our God is mighty, holy, and wondrous? And that is our motivation. Not so that we're trying to like, oh God, check out, check out what I'm doing. Can, you know, we're trying to earn like brownie points with him. But because of who he is, because of his grace, because of his majesty, because of the view that we have of him. And you know, we live in a world where we have so many amazing and good things. And I don't think any of us should ever be ashamed of that. But what happens is we have all these good things that it blocks our view of what is the greatest. We have all these good things and that it, we, we almost start to feel like we don't need what is great and what is best. You know, in, 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 in the past, the atheists would say, there is no God. And so there's like this huge debate, oh, God does not exist. And so that, that argument still may go on, but you know what's an even more prevalent argument now, instead of there is no God, is the sense that there is no need of God. Why do I need God when I have just everything I have at my fingertips, literally on my phone, or this relationship that I'm in, or the house that I live in, or the education that I'm receiving? And these are all amazing and good and really wonderful things. But is it blocking our view? Is it distracting us from what is ultimate? We as believers in Jesus Christ, can we choose what is excellent over what is good? To see our God who is high and mighty. And this is what St. Augustine says, our loves are not rightly ordered. And we have all these loves and we have all these good things. And we don't ever want to be ashamed of it and we don't ever want to feel guilty of it. But are they rightly ordered? Are we setting aside the time that we need to sit in a Sunday morning service, whether we go online? And you know, this whole experience of worshiping on Sundays online is so different. Like in the beginning, oh man, I was just eating it up. I would go to like four or five different services because I, I couldn't do that on a Sunday when I was serving at a church. And now I get to go visit my friend's church in Cerritos. I get to visit this church. I get to visit all these big churches and small churches. And then slowly as, as the time went on, I, I, would, I would go to these service, but then I would still be online. I would kind of check my email while I'm giving service. Or I would, like, you know, text people. And I was like, what? I wouldn't do this on a normal Sunday. You know, and, I'm, and I, I, I thank God for all these, these blessings. I thank God every day for what he has given to me. These are good, important things, but it was my loves were not rightly ordered. And, and this scribe, he, he saw this, and he's like, it is much more than all her whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. King David says this in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise and for the people, for the listeners, this was really hard to understand because it was all about, okay, I got to do this. I got to give this sacrifice. I got go, to go to temple. I got I to follow these commandments. And they're like, what? This is a heart issue? No, 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 no. That doesn't make sense. Because they couldn't grasp that because doing these, follow, following these commandments, obeying these laws was something that they could control. And oftentimes it's something that we control. And... and what a lot of these, the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees who were looking, they were looking for shortcuts. How can I get entered into the kingdom of God? How can I be born again? 
Jesus, can you just tell me, can you just give me a formula? Can you let me know, like, the, 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 the quickest path so that I can get in? And then Christ is reminding us, it's not about doing, but do we see God for who he is? Do we see his glory? Do we see his majesty? Are we able to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And are we able to love others? So church, I want to ask us here in this place, is our God a great God? Do we have a high view of him? Do we have an understanding of who he is? And and it's a mystery. Oh, it's a deep mystery. There's so much of God that, that I don't understand. But he gives us hints. He gives us his word. He gives us church. He gives us fellowship. He gives us these wonderful songs. And can we see, have we taste and seen that the Lord is good, that he is great, and that he is beautiful? So that was the first point. This is a great commandment for our great God. And it leads us to our our second and final point. And starting from verse 38, and then Jesus kind of switches gears here. He says, and in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers, and they will receive the greater condemnation. So he, he's talking about these scribes who like, who like the attention, who like the, 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 the honorific title. You know, they, they say these long-winded prayers. And they also, they also take advantage. They, they devour widows' houses. You know, widows, uh, that's why it, James tells us to, to look out for the widows and the orphans because these are people that cannot help themselves. They were so dependent upon their husbands for all financial uh, security. And when James says that, this is, that this is true religion to, to look after the poor, to look after widows and orphans, it's basically to look after those who cannot help themselves. And yet you have these scribes who are taking advantage, are manipulating, who are who are devouring widows' houses. And then he and then he he makes an observation about a widow. And he sees this poor widow and he's in he's he's observing uh, he's at the, the women's court at temple. And at the women's court they have all these receptacles and they're these like uh, these giant metal containers. And so so they the, the people would give offerings. And it was often called poor's box because they would take this offering, this charity, and they would give it to the poor. They would help serve those in need. It's, it was giving alms to help the poor. And so you would have these rich people, and they, would, they didn't have paper money. They had, they had these coins, and they would drop the coins. And you could, tell, you could tell how much they're giving by how loud of a noise it makes. It would just resonate. It, it, would, it would just draw a lot of attention. And I remember when I, sorry, I remember when I, when I was younger and I had to give offering. And this one Sunday, my parents gave me $20. I was like, oh my gosh. And usually, when I was a pastor in our youth group, you could, you could tell how many students were there by how much offering was there. If we had $33 in our offering, we probably had 33 students in our offering. And it was all like tucked in and and there's, there's one Sunday my mom gave me $20. I was like, oh, my God, this is a special day. And the greedy Johnny in me was like, dang, do I have to give all of this? And so, you know that tension when they, when they, when they come with the offering basket? And sometimes you feel so guilty when you don't have any money. You feel like everyone's just watching you. And then, you know, I was like young. I was super immature. 
And then, they, and then the offering basket came, and I literally asked, can I get changed for a 20? And I just felt, I could feel my mom's presence, like, and I could just feel, like, you know, the whole room went, zzz, just got all quiet. And, and of course, I'm not going to get change in there and just the irresponsible, selfish Johnny in me. And, but in this setting, when you would give offering, it would make a noise. And so you would get, you would get this attention. And you would, they would know, oh, that person gave a lot. Oh, that person gave a lot. And then some person, like, a small little noise, oh, jeez, what a cheapskate. He has no respect for God. And so Jesus is observing this the whole time. And then a poor widow comes, and she puts two small copper coins. It's like literally a penny. It's one-sixty-fourth of a day's wage. It's, it's very minimal. And yet Jesus, he brings attention to this poor widow. This poor widow who's, who's not even counted in a census at that time. This poor widow who's, who's given no value, no dignity, because her husband is gone. And yet what Jesus does is he, he turns the attention to her. He dignifies her. And what she does is she gives so little, but yet Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Do you see what, she, what Christ is doing? He's calling his disciples. He's like, hey guys, I need to tell you guys something. Look at her. He's using her, someone who's often been so objectified, and yet he's bringing such dignity, and he's bringing such light. And, you know, these, the people that were giving, they didn't give grudgingly. You know, they, didn't, they didn't just go like, oh gosh, I, I, I really don't want to give this. No, they were, they were giving, but they were giving out of their abundance. But she basically just gave all that she had. Remember, she's poor. And you know the money that, that was given to this offering was basically used to help people like her. The money that was put in this, they call it offering box, but they also call it poor's box. That money was used as a charity to help those that were poor. So she's basically, she is that person that is so poor and so in need of it, and yet she gives. She gives her all. She gives everything that she has. And, you know, it wasn't because she was trying to, like, earn this special favor with Christ. It wasn't because she was trying to draw attention to herself. No, it was because she understood who God is. She understood who Christ is. And she had a high view of God. And her saying was, how can I not give this to Christ? How can I not give all of myself? And I, I think the point of the matter is, it's not our money. It's not how much we give or how little. But we know ourselves well enough. We know the things that we hold on so tightly that we're not willing to give. And, you know, oftentimes we, we kind of demonize the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, and it's kind of like low-hanging fruit to, to make fun of them. But that's all of us, isn't it? That's all of us. So we, we want to kind of draw attention to ourselves, or we want to just find the, 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 the shortest path we can do to please God. And yet, that's not what God requires of us. He requires our obedience. He requires our heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and contrite heart. 
And even this, the issue with money, you know, they, they say the least talked about subject in church is not sex, it's actually money. Because it, it can be such a touchy subject. And in no way, we're, we're, and, I, and I think it's lazy theology to say, oh man, you know, like you can't be rich. And I say, no. Like God has blessed us. I don't think any of us should ever feel guilty with what God has given to us and what God has blessed us with. And it's not that money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. If, that, if that's what all that we want, if that's all that we are obsessed with. And sometimes there's a, there's a kind of a glorification of the poor. And, and in no way is Christ saying, like, we need to be poor. We need to, we need to give all of our money away. But what Christ is reminding us through the great commandment and through this, through this interaction with this widow is we're going to do what our heart wants. Again, we, who, who we are informs what we do. If we believe in Christ, if we believe in his redeeming love, and if we believe that his, his mercies are new every morning, we're going to forgive others. We're going to give ourselves. We're going to make, even in our failures, even in our mistakes, that we could come to him, all who are weak and weary. For we know that our God is a God of grace and a God of mercy. And so this story teaches us that we are able to give ourselves because Christ so freely gave himself up to us. We are able to give ourselves because Christ gave himself as a sacrifice. He died on that cross for us so that we may live. We are able to love because he first loved us. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, it says, for, Christ, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That Christ has set us free from these things that may hold us back. Let me close with this. Um, one of my favorite authors, his name is David Brooks. He's a, he's a New York Times op-ed. And he wrote this book called Second Mountain. And what he, what he was talking about is he would give this analogy the first mountain for a lot of us is some of the things that we're trying to achieve, like a dream school, marriage, home, job. And the first mountain is something that, that a lot of us, we want to conquer. This is like a, something that we've thought about and dreamt about for the longest time. But as we go through life, as we go through all the ups and downs, as we go through all the difficulties and, and success, success and failures, we, we transition into that second mountain. And in that second mountain, it's not necessarily opposite of that first mountain, but the second mountain is this kind of space where more generous, more satisfying living, where the first mountain is all about acquisition, how I can achieve this, how I can get that, whereas the second mountain is all about contribution, how I can give, how I can offer myself. That first mountain is all about what I can conquer, what I can get, and the second mountain is about what conquers us. You know, and I thought about that, and that's, that's so brilliant. If we think about our lives in Christ, before we knew Christ, we were all on that first mountain. It was all about the kingdom of Johnny, the kingdom of self, how I can satisfy myself, how I can take care of myself, how I can just kind of do what I need to do to, to, to grow the, the kingdom of Johnny. 
But when we become believers in Jesus Christ, when we understand how great and marvelous and how glorious he is, we're on what David Mountain said, David Brooks says, that second mountain. We're not trying to conquer things, but we've been conquered by the love and grace. We've been captivated by Christ, our Savior. And instead of trying to acquire things, we are, we are in a position to contribute. To contribute, to give ourselves to him and to give ourselves to others. We are in this position to serve as Christ served us. And so church, as I close this, and again, as you guys are going through this series, simply Jesus, and to, to understand our Christ is to understand his glory. To understand Christ is to understand his magnificence, his holiness, his anger, his grace and his mercy. And as we understand that, we cannot help but to love him. We cannot help but to love others. We cannot help as we've been conquered by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I just want to encourage, I want to challenge, I want to affirm us this day. that Oh, that we would see, oh, that we would taste and see that he is good. That we would, as we are conquered by his love and grace, that we would give ourselves to Christ who freely gave himself to us. Let us pray. Father, we pray that as we have received your word, O Holy Spirit, would you have your way with us? Would you impress upon our hearts the things that you want us to know and to learn and to grow? And God, as we think about your word, we think about your truth and your word that endures forever, would it challenge us? Would it affirm us? Would it encourage? Would it sharpen us, O Lord? Would it deepen our love and our understanding of you? You are so glorious. You are so beautiful. And God, we, we make mistakes all the day, all, every day. Sometimes we get so discouraged by our own failures or the failures of this world or the failures around us. God, may we know that you are a shield about us. You are our glory. You are the lifter of our head. And so, God, would we see you high and lifted up? Would we see you for who you are? So, God, what a blessing, what a privilege it is to be in this presence, to speak your truth. And so, Lord, would we just continue to embrace your presence, your holiness, and your grace. So, God, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.